All right, all right. Help me thank Jared and the worship team. Good job, guys. Thank you. Love it. Good morning, Rez. It is good to be here with you. I'm just returning from a little marriage celebration cruise that doesn't many of you know Ken and I did. Ken Reynolds. Ken, are you in here? I don't know. He's not in here. He was in first service. He, uh, we shared a great time together. We worshiped the Lord. It's kind of fun. You guys would have enjoyed it. So we're on a cruise boat, you know, and it, when we would have our times together, we would just invite people who were on the boat. If you want to come in and worship, come in and worship. So it was really neat to see stories of people who from all over the world would just come and worship the Lord. We had a great time together. Ken was out in the sunlight, got a nice tan. You can check that out when you see him. And we just... We just had a lot of fun laughing together, enjoying our friendship, enjoying our wives, and just enjoying the opportunity to celebrate marriage on the boat. So, so many of you are a part of that, and we thank you for that. Uh, we'll be doing that again. And then this morning, I'd love to just thank uh, Pastor Dwayne, Jeannie, and Pastor Bernie. Always makes me feel so welcome here. Al, Tom, the whole staff. Uh, I feel like I'm a part of the team when I come in. I even, I even go in there and sit in the main room and eat with them. So it's... Uh, it's fun to be a part of the team and to feel a part of the team. So I feel like I'm coming home. This isn't a new place for me, and it's a place I love to be. Uh, with traveling all over the country, it's nice to have a place you call home. So thank you for allowing me to be a part of your family. I appreciate that a lot. appreciate that a lot. So as I was on the boat, I was thinking about, you know, what I wanted to preach uh, this Sunday. And I really felt the last time I was here, you remember, I talked a little bit about leveraging the strength of you as parents and then the church to really raising our teens. I talked to the teens, the students who are here. And today I want to talk to the parents who are here. I want to talk to you about some effective parenting techniques and tools that we learn from the life of Joseph and Mary. We don't normally think of them when it comes to parenting because you say to yourself, well, good grief, they had Jesus. Of course it was easy to raise Jesus. You know, give me Jesus. I'll raise him versus my kids. But he wasn't always perfect. You're going to see that this morning. I'm going to share some scripture with you this morning that might surprise you because we think raising Jesus would have been way easier than what we go through. And I want you to see, even though he was the savior of the world, they still had to deal with stuff. And parenting is like that. As I drove over this morning, I was going through the message and I thought about all the different things that you as parents face uh, from little early childhood things to adult children. It really never ends. And some of you have very compliant children and some of you have very non-compliant children. In fact, if you have non, if, if you have non-compliant children, sometimes you think to yourself, why did I end up getting them? And those of you who have compliant children, I know a guy who does what I do. He travels around the country, okay? And I, I don't have compliant children. My children are all adult age, 32 to 22. Um, they weren't compliant children. They challenged me all the time. And this other guy, this guy I know who does what I do around the country, he's on the other side of the country. That's where his base is. But he had very compliant children. And he, when he teaches, I, I'm, I can only speak for me, but when I hear him teach, I just want to gag. Because it's like, you know, he'll say, now, if you'll just do this, your children will do it. My children, when I told them to do this, do that. And mine didn't. When I told them to do this, they'd go do that. And so if you don't have compliant children, don't beat yourself up. You're, you're not perfect, but you're learning. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to get beside you and encourage you from God's word on different ways and different ideas to be a more effective parent. And I want to start with something that happened with me, a little idea I learned, and I learned from this. Uh, it's just called a ripstick. Um, I, I noticed in my neighborhood, all these kids 
were just riding up down the street on this new little thing. When I was a kid, I loved to skateboard and stuff. I liked that kind of stuff. And so I'm seeing this new two-wheel ripstick thing, and I'm thinking, man, that, that looks kind of fun. Well, you know, common sense would also say, well, look at you. You're 57. It's fun when you're seven, but don't add 50 years to it. But I said to my wife, Jane, honey, I, I know what I want for Christmas. She's like, what's that? I said, I want a ripstick. And she said, why? And I said, well, all those kids are out there riding. I think it'd be fun to ride it. She's like, baby, you're old. Common sense would tell you, don't do it. But I said to her, can, can you get me one for Christmas? So sure enough, on Christmas morning, I open this thing up, and the kids are like, Dad, Dad, what do you got? It's like, your mom got me a ripstick, man. I'm like, well, who's it for? I'm like, it's for me. Well, why do you want to learn that? I said, I think it looks fun. Let me, let me tell you, this ripstick has taught me something about parenting. No, no, don't moan. Let, just let me make my point. I have been amazed at the difference how the kids in the neighborhood think of me now versus before I had one of these. I, I'm 57 years old. When I walk out in the neighborhood, if you walk near children, most parents are dialing 911. You know, at my age, it's like, who's that old man out there walking around them chits? Because it looks creepy. But an old man riding a ripstick, you are in. You are like in the hood when you get this. It's like, welcome to the neighborhood. And the children in the neighborhood totally changed toward me. And I got to thinking, this is what we as parents don't do. We don't relate to our children where they are. Watch this. When you're, some of you, you have a five-year-old. When you're talking to your five-year-old, you finish and you go, why didn't he get it? Because he's five. You're 40, you're 35, you're 30 years old. He doesn't get it because he's not your age. Some of you have a teenager. And you leave them and you think to yourself, they don't have any idea what, they don't get it. Correct. They're 16. You don't get adult concepts at 16. And what I've noticed with this little ripstick thing is, first of all, you got to lay down the way you think when it comes to relatability, these little points are going to come up on the screen. You got to lay down the way you think, the way you see things and everything else and just think, wait a second, I want to relate to my child. When I decided I wanted to ride one of these ripsticks, I had to go against all the odds that says, old people don't do that. When y'all saw me pick it up, there was a, ooh, kind of sound. Because now, if a little kid came over here seven years and hold it, yeah, fits. And sometimes as parents, we think, I can't do this anymore. And then next, you got to envision yourself vicariously doing this. When I got this ripstick for Christmas, I had not ridden it yet. I'm going to try this. There's a carpet up here, but I'm going to show you what I tried to do. So I got on this thing, and I remember standing by my car up in, up in my garage. Jane was there, I think, with me that first time in case there was, you know, bad accident. So I'm standing here like this going, this feels really weird, but I, I think I can do it. Now, it was all up here thinking I can do it because I knew I couldn't do it. But I had to vicariously imagine it. And then, and then I, I started doing it. I pushed off and I got going. I can't do it because it's carpet. But I got this thing going. And then, listen, I started riding through my neighborhood on this thing. I want to tell you something. There were mothers coming out of their house clapping. They were clapping, going, look at that old man on that rib stick. No, don't clap. But the point is, if you're going to do it, you got to do it. 
And some of you parents in here, you are not willing to relate to your children because you're not willing to go to the level they are. Listen, children now knock on my door. Can Mr. Seaborn play? Because they've seen me playing. And that's what you want with your kids. You want your kids to go, you know what? I want to go talk to my parents about this because they understand me. Parents, watch this. If you've got like five-year-olds, let me tell you what first got to happen. Get down to their level and relate to their life. Just, just do it. And you'll find yourself stop saying things like, they just don't get it. Why don't, if you say this kind of thing to your child, why don't you get it? Because they're not able to. It takes time and maturity. I think the way I do today because I'm older. I get it. And I tell you that I believe one of the things we see in the life of Joseph and Mary, raising Jesus. Remember, they knew what he was on earth to do. And they tried to relate to his life and go, what's this kid feeling? What's this kid carrying? What's going on in his world? And throughout scripture, you will see little snippets of them understanding that. And this morning, I want to show you some principles from Scripture using the life of Joseph and Mary that help you go, wow, I want to carry those principles into my parenting as well. And you may be here and you go, well, I'm older now. You know, I've already parented my kids. No, I, I have four kids. They're 32 down to 22. I said, first service, I've been parenting 108 years because I add up all their ages. I ain't saying I've been parenting 32 years. I'm adding them all up because they're four different kids and they're four different ways. I'm getting credit for every year. And in that 108 years, I've learned a lot of stuff. And I'll wrap it up with the coolest thing I've learned. But I'll start with this thought, that if you're going to be effective in parenting, here's one of the tips you're going to need. It's just a parenting tip. No, I've already done with that. Let's go on to the first tip. The first tip is this. Don't allow your children's behavior to determine yours. Don't allow your children's behavior to determine how you act. I got an email this week from a gentleman had three things he wanted to share with me. The first two are confidential, but the third one, he, he said to me, and Dan, I need help with something. He's a young father in his 30s. He said, I was taking my children this weekend to a weekend away. It's been cold here, et cetera. We went a little weekend away. I wanted to get him up to a little indoor water park. We're driving there. And he said, Dan, I lost control. And I yelled and screamed in that car the whole way there. And he said, I don't even think my kids wanted to be there. He said, can you help me get control of myself? So we're going to go. We're going to have lunch. and We're going to talk about it. Because parenting brings out, let's just be honest, some of the worst stuff in us. If some of you today had a video of your, something you did this week with your child up on the screen, you would be like, oh, please don't show that. Some of you don't control your temper. Now, you make your children control theirs, but you don't have any control of yours. Joseph and Mary got put in some spots that would have been very difficult. And based on what I see in Scripture, they kept control. Let me tell you one of them. You maybe remember this, you maybe don't. But in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2, there's a story there in verses 41 through 49. After Jesus had been born, all that stuff, the story is about Jesus going with his parents to the feast of the Passover. Pretty typical thing. Let's take it right in this room. There's the feast of the Passover. It's a good long walk. We all got to get our stuff ready and we walk together and we go to the feast of the Passover in Jerusalem. It was an annual thing they did. 
They had gone there. They had had the feast of the Passover. They left. Everybody kind of gathered all their people together, and they all headed back. And Joseph and Mary thought Jesus was with them, and he was 12 years old at the time. And they got walking with all their friends, and they realized about a day into their walk, he ain't here. This is the equivalent. You get in your car today, you drive to Myrtle Beach, that's about a full day from here. You finish your week there, you drive all the way back with your spouse, whatever, however you're traveling, you get all the way back and you finally turn around and look in the back seat and say, where'd the kids? <laughs> a day. You know what you feel. Have y'all ever lost a child in a store? Something is freaky. They're usually hiding in that middle thing behind all the pants and shirts just for fun. But you know that feeling, you freak out. Joseph and Mary did the same thing. Scripture tells us. They looked and said, where is Jesus? And the Bible says they looked among their relatives and friends and couldn't find him and started walking and walked a day back to Jerusalem. Now, here's what I want to ask you. What conversation did they have on the way? Mm -hmm. They're human beings. You know at some point Mary goes, well, I thought you were watching it. And Joseph probably said something like, honey, do you realize we've just lost the savior of the world? <laughs> Normal people. It's life. And, and I don't know about y'all, but I think about this story. Jesus knew everything, right? I mean, Jesus is God on earth. Don't you think they probably prayed, God help us find your own son? Wouldn't you think he would have said, hey, GPS him, he's right over here. He didn't answer them. They had, hey, do y'all realize they had to go find him? So sometimes when you feel like, is God not listening? Yeah, but there are times he's just wanting you to learn through the listening. That's right. And I'm telling you, watch what happened. They got there, couldn't find him. Look, searched for him for three days. Come on. Hey, did they sleep good at night? So you, all that time you've been saying, well, if my kids would be like Jesus, well, trust me, some of them have been lost for three days, ain't you? Parenting's parenting. I don't care if you're raising the Savior of the world. It's not always easy. And the Bible says when his parents found him, Mary said, said she was astonished. And then she said, why would you do this to us? And look at his answer. Why y'all worrying about me, man? I'm fine. Typical kid response. When you find them, well, they say, what, y'all were looking for me? Three days? Didn't y'all know I'd be doing my father's bidding? Your teenager tries that. Can't find them for three days. Didn't y'all know I was doing some good stuff? I don't care what you're doing. You get your tail home. <laughs> Parenting. And I'm telling you, they had to walk with Jesus all the way back to catch up to their relatives. Another, you get that? They had to go by themselves. I'm going to tell you. It doesn't say it in Scripture, but I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you that mom laid down some laws about next time, don't leave us without telling us. Because it's life. And you got to maintain control. Joseph, it doesn't say they lost it. It said they looked, they found him, they asked him why, and then they grew from that spot. As parents today, it's very important that you understand life's going to throw you some scenarios in your parenting in your parenting days that you don't know how to handle, maintain control.
control. The dude that I'm going to meet with has sent me the email this week. I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell him how I learned this. And I learned this more when my kids were a little older. Sadly, I was a father who lost it. I'll just be honest with you. I was a screamer. My kids escalated with me. I escalated with them. You yell, I can top you. So my teenage sons, we went at it. And we'd been out in the basement sometimes yelling. And Alan thought he was going to be louder than me. Uh-uh, I can raise the bar. And one day after all that happened, Alan had left the house and Jane came to me and she said, Dan, I got to tell you something. And I said, what's that? Because she wasn't a yeller. It's not who she is. She said to me, uh, as I was watching you and Alan, this is what she said. It was real hard to tell who the adult was in the room. That's pretty embarrassing. We talked about it and we came up with a plan. This was the plan. I said, babe, next time I lose it like that and I'm yelling because that does not look like Jesus when I'm doing that. I do not look like what God wants me to look. And I said, if I do that again, I want you to look at me and I want you to say, Dan, go to your room. <laughs> Y'all may have heard me tell the story. I said, Dan, go to your room. So we did it. Next time, one too long, Al and I are going to each other. Jane, walk. I can see her coming. I'm like, oh, brother, here it comes. <laughs> We're sitting there yelling at each other. She walks up. She just taps me on the shoulder and says, honey, you need to go to your room. To me. Alan's like, oh, dad going down. Mama got dead. Everything inside me wanted to put him down. But I'd made this agreement with Jane, so I, I literally walked away to my, to my room. I'm the one going, and the reason is because I wanted to teach myself, you got to get control. And I got to tell you, it didn't take long for me to go, I don't want to do this. And I got control of myself. I, I, Jane might remember, I can't remember the last time I yelled like that. I just don't lose it. Because if I am not in control, I do not look like the mature one in the room. Two-year-olds scream. Eight-year-olds lose it. Sixteen-year-olds get out of control. Adults need to look like adults. And sometimes we don't. And Joseph and Mary, I believe, showed Jesus what adults act like. And I'm challenging you, if that's you and you don't have control, do something to get it. Maybe what I did, something else the Lord will lay on your heart. But get control because your children need to see an adult who has control. A second little parenting tip is this. Allow your children to be God-led, not parent-manipulated as they move into their career path. We live in West Michigan where parents like to control what their children do. I see it all the time. That's not biblical. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way they should Go! You are raising your children. You know, you know, we have this thing called catch and release when we're fishing. Well, I call it parenting, teach and release. Teach and release. Train them up in the way they should go and let them go. Don't try to decide where they go. Let them go. Because if you try to manipulate it and control it, you're trying to have ownership of what ends up with their life. They are God's children. They are not your children. If he has a plan for them that doesn't match with what you want, you need to let it go. I have a child who lives in Camden, New Jersey. His name's Josh. Uh, him and his wife, Amy, have a little son, a year, just about to turn a year old. He lives in and on one of the most dangerous streets in the country, crazy stuff. When I go there, he won't even let me go out at night. And I will say to him pretty regularly, I'll say, I, we, last time we were there, I'll say, hey, Jay, you, you love it here? I am, Dad. Is this where God wants you to be? It is, Dad. I just love it. 
And I'll look at him. I've said these words to him, son, if I ever try, because I can come here and your mom especially, it makes her really nervous to see your life. She worries about you. He's got a drug dealer, lives literally right underneath him, sells drugs right all the time. And that, you know, trust me, a mom doesn't look and go, perfect, that's where I want my grandson to grow up. But it's where God wants him. And I will say to Josh, son, if I ever try to talk you out of leaving here and it's where God wants you to be, push me away and tell me, dad, you're not in charge of me. I am trying to obey the Lord. And I said, because I believe this is the safest spot in the world for you. And if something happens to you while you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ right here in this spot, so be it. You are in the hands of the Lord. And I want to tell you today, parents, if you will do that, your children will feel a freedom to go and do what God has called them to do. And that's the best place a child can be. Give your children. Teach and release. Proverbs 22, 6. Great little principle. Third thing for you as parents, the world measures our children by their accomplishments. God measures them by their holiness. I almost used the word goodness, and I was like, no, no, it's not goodness, because there's a lot of good people. It's holiness. And then I almost didn't even use this whole point, because I thought, man, oh, man, I really don't want. See, see people who attend church, when they see that, there's this tendency to, I knew it, I'm going to make them go to church three times a week, and they will memorize a verse of Scripture, blah, 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 and all of a sudden, legalism kicks in. I am not asking you today to be legalistic parents. I'm asking you to be Christ followers and teach your children that that is the most important thing they will ever do is follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The world doesn't measure that. The world actually mocks that. What I'm doing today, if I could be put on CNN or some of those major channels, they would say, look at this guy out there propagating this, this false teaching, this silliness, this this." total wrong teaching. That's what the world would say about me. And I want to tell you something. The world is wrong because the greatest thing I can do is teach my children what scripture says. The greatest thing I'll ever do is live a life of faithfulness to God's word in front of them. It's the best thing I'll ever do. So I thank you for being parents who are involved in your church and grow in your church. But let me just say something to you. I, I wrote this a while back and I'm going to read it to you. I, but it scares me sometimes because often I think to myself, we're raising our children to be what I call ready. Listen to me. Not Christians. Listen carefully. Not Christians, but churchins. A lot of us are more concerned if they're a churchin than if they're a Christian, let me show you why. I wrote down the differences. Christians focus on reaching the lost. Churchians focus on finding and satisfying the saved. Christians find a way to love the sinners. Churchians love to find new ways to sin. Christians draw people to the kingdom of God. Churchians draw people to a particular denomination. Christians walk the walk. Churchians talk the talk. Christians get it. Churchians might formerly have had it. Christians live to please God. Churchians live to make man happy. Christians look at God. Churchians look at each other. Christians love the Lord God with all their heart. Churchians love the Lord God with all their head. Christians believe in God's word. Churchians believe in their own words. Many of you in this room understand exactly what I'm saying because you were raised in a way that you really were taught more churchian principles 
than you were Christian principles. Because I want to tell you something. To really live like Jesus means that you surrender everything about your own life and your own way of thinking and just commit it to the Lord, including your children. I have had to learn, Jane, my wife sitting here, uh, we have had to learn to let our children go. Some of those painful things we've been through in our life. I remember a day sitting and going, Lord, I have no control. And him speaking into my heart, it's exactly how I want it. I got to teach. I got to guide. And then I got to trust him in his hand. Because even today, my children will not make all the decisions I would want them to make. I have adult children. I don't vote anymore. I simply tell them what I believe. I try to live the word of God. And I trust them to eventually know and follow the ways of Jesus in their own life. But let me tell you something. It is their call, not mine. And I want to tell you today, many of you parents in here need to know, your whole purpose is to live an example of Jesus in front of your children so that it will be contagious. And it might be your deathbed, but your dream and your goal is that you have lived such a holy life. Like Jesus said, I have lived in such a way, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to live as parents that way. Joseph and Mary showed Jesus by the way they lived, their humility and their servanthood, how to follow the Lord, their own son. They set an example for him. Do that. It'll go against all the principles of the world, but it will please God. Another little principle. Teach your children that true greatness comes through humility. If I were Joseph and Mary, and I had to look at the Bible, I want to tell you my favorite passage in this Bible would be Philippians chapter 2 starting with verse number five. Joseph and Mary trained Jesus up in such a way that he knew how to surrender. I believe their selfless example, even having been his parents. And when he grew up understanding, mom and dad, so wait, wait a minute, dad, dad, you telling me that you took mom, even though I wasn't your earthly son, you took mom and everybody laughed at you? Everybody made fun of you and said, well, that's not your, no way your wife's going to get pregnant without it being with you. And, and dad, dad, you st they laughed at you about that? Yeah, son. Mom, mom, are you telling me, are you telling me that you were ostracized and made fun of because you were a pregnant mom and you told people that I was God's son? Mom, mom, you, got, you guys probably went through, you, you know, Jesus in his 20s would have talked to his parents about this. You guys went through a lot because of me. Yes, yeah, son, we, we felt called to do this. They showed him. We don't, we don't think about this. How long has it been since you thought about that side of the story? Jesus talking to his parents about how they were ostracized. He want to talk about it. Joseph and Mary's life as parents was hard. They were made fun of from the very beginning and watched their own son die. That's a tough life. We would not have chosen. I want to be his parents because that's a tough life. And yet, the Bible 
If I were Joseph and Mary and you handed me a Bible today, I would go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and say, right here's my favorite passage. It says here, your attitude should be the same of Christ Jesus, who being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead he made himself nothing. Son, come here. Jesus, come here a second, son. You are the greatest person who ever lived because you are the God of the universe and you don't act like it. In other words, you live like it, but you're not bringing all the glory to you. You don't tell, you serve others. Son, we are so proud of you. You could have, he could have been the world's greatest whatever. He, he could have said, oh, watch this, I'm going to be the world's greatest magician. Water, wine, boop. Hey, guys, you got to invite him over. He is top magician in the country. He would have got, got a gig in Vegas. And Jesus said, no, I'm really not about Vegas. I'm really not about the accolades of this world. I'm about serving the Father in heaven. And your goal as parents is to finish your life looking at your children saying they grasp the concept of humility. The next point, understand what Scripture means when it says your child is a treasure. I'm going to ask you, ma'am, you're sitting here with your daughter. Is that your daughter? Can I have her for a minute? Would you bring her up to me? What's her name? Journey. Journey. Well, I saw her raising her hands during worship, and I'm like, all right, I'm getting her. So the Bible says that your child is a treasure. So I'm going to bring Journey. What's your name, man? What's your name? I'm Romus. Nice to meet you, Romus. Thank you. Hey, Journey, come here. Uncle Dan for a second. Okay, so let me let you guys see her. Look at this little girl. And that's a treasure right there, huh? You want to go home with Uncle Dan? What do you think of all those people out there? See, when your child is this age, you know, in the crib, that kind of thing, when you, when you go and have them at the hospital and you look at them, they are such a treasure. I bet you guys are going to get a copy of this video to show everybody. <laughs> it's going to be on Facebook later today. Look at him. He's videoing everything right there. She's a beautiful little girl. How old is she? Ten months today. Happy birthday. Ten-month birthday. This little girl. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got a way about him. No, I'm just kidding. That's old Billy Joel, too. Never mind. So this little girl, Journey, um, is a treasure. When your children are this age, it's, it's, it's easy to see him as a treasure. Now, the thing about Journey is she's going to turn two. <laughs> and then she's going to turn 16. Now, I'm trusting she'll always be awesome like you are right now. I know you don't know me. But um, the point is, it's a lot easier when your child is 10 months old or you're at the nursery at the hospital. It's easy. Oh, everybody wants to hold her. Like right now. But yeah, a lot of y'all want to hold her right now. Just that's how beautiful she is. But when she, if she were, let's just, she's not going to, but your kid that's 16, the one that last night you didn't know where they were till like two in the morning, you weren't at midnight, you weren't laying home going, where is my little treasure? You weren't doing that. <laughs> you know, I'd like to find that treasure. I'll tell you what I'm going to do with that treasure when I find it. Because 10 months old are treasures, but wayward children, there's no treasure in that. You want to stay with me? She's squeezing my thumb like I love you, like little squeezes. 
You can come back and get her if you want to, Romans. Thank you. Give her a hand. She did a good job. Look, there, Papa. There, Papa. Thank you, Romans. She's waving. You want to come back, don't you? Yeah, she wants to be back. I see the treasure in her little journey. But I, I got to just fast forward a little bit and tell you, when my journey, my little girl, was 18 and wayward, I didn't think of it as a treasure. And, and I missed it. I'm, I, I want to show you, I, I missed something. I'm about to tell you something that's very important. A treasure is anything that draws you closer to Jesus. Listen to that. Right now, some of you have a wayward child. A treasure is anything that draws you closer to Jesus. Dan Seaborn is closer to Jesus today than I was, I was five years ago, and part of it was because of parenting pain I went through, and I had to draw into Jesus because I couldn't fix it. I texted my daughter last night. I said, get my phone out and literally read the text to her because she said something about, Dad, I can't go hear you preach tomorrow because I got bunch of stuff going on. I got to work because of uh, missing. She's been sick this week. She's saying some nice things to me. And I said this back. This is what I said to the daughter who I didn't even know where she was a couple of years ago. Always know, no matter what, your daddy sure loves his little girl. She, you know, she's a, she's a treasure. And, and I said to her, I, I've said to her in text before, and she'll say, Dad, I'm sorry, the things we went through, et cetera. I said, baby, it drew us close. I'm closer to Jesus today than I was before. Now, I'm not telling you, go ask for a wayward child. Just trust me on that. I'm not telling you as parents, it is the gig. It is not the gig. But whatever you're going through is a shot at you becoming more like Jesus. Do you remember Mary when she held the baby? I don't know if y'all remember when she was first told you're going to have a baby. The Bible says Mary pondered it in her heart. And then, if you saw the passion of the Christ, there's a scene. Mary rounds the corner. Her, her son Jesus is being beat, and he's carrying a cross. He falls on the ground, and Mary sees him fall. And she runs over to him, and she says, are you okay? Because <laughs> that's her treasure. And there's a flashback in the movie where it goes back to where he's five years old and he's falling off a wall and Mary runs to him and goes, Jesus, are you okay? She picks him up and it shows in her mind. She relives that as she holds him now as an adult male, 33, being killed. Hey, hey, mom's in here. Would it be hard for you to watch your child die on a cross? Your treasure? Are you raising them that way? Did you say, Jesus, I want them to do whatever you call them to do. And I will consider whatever that is a treasure. Because that's what they are. Through the pain, the good, the bad. Treasure is whatever draws you closer to Jesus. Let your children draw you close to Jesus as you draw them close to him through your example. And Lord, I wrap this message up praying for us parents. So much pain in this room from parenting. So much joy in this room from parenting. So many different circumstances related to parents right now. My goodness. 
If we took time to discuss them, we'd be here for days. So I ask for wisdom. I pray for babies in this room like Journey, that they would grow up to love you with all their heart. I pray for adult children in this room that we would continue to grow. And I ask for wisdom. Thank you for what Mary and Joseph showed us by the way they lived, the humility they had. Let us live that same way. May we be holy followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we all said, amen. God bless you, parents. Thank you for listening to the message today.